Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 the el conservador radio show is sponsored by the federation for american immigration reform and george rodriguez on 9 30 a.m the answer time for the el conservador radio show with george rodriguez George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome to the show, my friends, on this beautiful Saturday, November the 11th, Veterans Day. Welcome, my friends. We've got a packed show as usual, but first of all, let's give a shout out to all of our veterans out there. I am so proud of living in a country where so many people have sacrificed to give us freedom. The reason that I'm sitting behind this this uh, microphone here, my friends, is very simple because we have a First Amendment right, and that right is defended and has been defended by our veterans. So I want to thank them intensely, intensely. Uh, I remember uh, I had a great uncle that uh, was actually a veteran of World War One, my friends. And even in his advanced age, he used to be very proud of putting on his uh, uniform from World War One, a doughboy uniform. It was very, very interesting to me. It was very, very, now I appreciate it so much. So anyway, thank you, my friends. Thank you to all the veterans out there. Um, Let me tell you who our guests are, and then we'll jump right into it. We have uh, four great guests. First of all, we've got Mr. Michael Yon, who is a journalist and who is a reporter down in Central America, my friends. He's going to give you a report that's going to curl your hair of what is coming in our direction. Then we've got uh, Sheriff Roy Boyd from Goliad County, who's going to be talking about um, the ongoing situation along the border and what the sheriffs are are facing, Uh, particularly a horrendous uh, accident that happened this past week. We also have uh, Sheriff Thad Cleveland from from Terrell County and my very good friend Tom Holman from the 9-11 Project. So, my friends, sit back and enjoy it. Take it in, learn, and by all means, my friends, thank you for joining us today. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, and we've got uh, Mr. Michael Gunn, who is a writer, author, and a uh, good friend, and he is down in the Darien Gap. He is in, Pencil- in, in Panama as we speak. I wanted to get him on so he could talk to us and tell us what is going on down there. Who is coming our way? 
Michael, thank you for taking time. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me on, George. The last time you and I spoke was actually in Texas. And uh, then you hear a bus right in front of me, by the way, coming to China for and few environments and literally pick up aliens right now. And anyway, that's why I'm here. I'm next to the camp. Uh-huh. And um, one of the one of the camps, but in, in any case, you know, after you and I were talking about maybe six months ago in Texas, Todd Benspin and I, you know, Todd very well. We um, he wrote the book Overrun. In the last chapter of his book, he describes that colonia north of Houston called Colony Ridge near um, in Liberty County, right near the Plum Grove. So Todd and I drove over there after you and I talked, and Todd was with us, and uh, we we drove over there, and we went into that colonia, and it was massive, as you can see, and and, uh, Todd put up a drone, and said, wow, man, this is a little bit too big for a drone, let's go to the airport and come back with an airplane, so we drove over to the airport, we came back with an airplane that day, and we couldn't get it high enough, so I said, let's go get a helicopter, and uh, it it was too late in the day, so we came back later with a helicopter, Dave Shannon helped us get up, and we took uh, Bailey Wire and quite a lot of others, and Vandersteel, we took them up into the sky, and, um, and and we took a couple of congressmen, Latrell and uh, Morgan Latrell and um, Brian Babin up over on a different trip. And with the express intent of trying to blow that uh, international news, which has now worked. And after we left that colonia, we took our burning edge team and Vandersteel and I did. We took them down to SpaceX. And we spent two weeks at SpaceX with, again, this. We left the colonia. We went straight to SpaceX, and it was the clear intent of trying to get uh, Elon Musk down on the border. And as you can see, he was just down on the border. And so that's what I do off in many places is take people that need to see it, like Daily Wire uh, or uh, Todd Benjamin. You know, he's, he's usually uh, cutting trail. Todd is, you know, he's up front. And uh, as is Ann Vanderson, we take people like that, Daily Wire, who are, 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 you know, who cut trail with the machete. Here's two more buses going right now. Uh, i got to tell you about these buses, team, but hold on. Uh, let me finish where I'm going to. But I look at the borders all over the world, whether it's Morocco, Greece, uh, Lithuania, uh, just everywhere. And uh, Japan, uh, not that they have a land border, but anyway, uh, I've written three books that are only in Japanese, actually, about um, this situation and this information. And uh, Colombia, Mexico, here in Panama, I spend months of the time down here in the Bay and Gap. And uh, so I know, you know, a lot of the Indians from the different tribes, I'm out with them all the time. And I'm watching these flows. I'm studying the flows. Now, two days ago, on August 6th, the president of Costa Rica and the president of Panama came together down here as a result of this huge pressure we're doing on the media. And they went to Las Blancas camp, which is a camp about 30 minutes down the road from me. I was at it again yesterday. I've been there many, many times. These buses that just went in front of me, they, they just came out of San Vicente camp, which I call China camp. Las Blancas camp and San Vicente camp are related. They are the collection points for people who survived the Darien Gap. Now, the, the president of Colombia, I'm sorry, the president of uh, uh, Costa Rica and the president of Panama have come to an agreement that they're going to open the border between Panama and Costa Rica. So as of today, on, on, on today, this Sunday, which is now, they should be flowing through directly from these buses that are going in front of me right now. They no longer have to stop at this camp in nor- uh, north of Panama. They're just going to flow right across the border into Costa Rica, right through Costa Rica, up to the border of Nicaragua, right? So this flow is really getting intense. Right now we see three to 5,000 a day coming through. I have a team in the jungle right now. They just messaged me. We haven't had comms for the last, actually, a couple hours because there's a section of the jungle that lose comms. We're out with the Indians on a, on a, on a river right now, on a Nicaragua uh, dugout canoe. But they were just out looking at some of the villages, and um, they said that they've seen, and two, the first two hours they were watching this morning when we lost comms, they had seen 1,500 um uh, migrants come through the jungle in two hours, 1,500. Wow. That was, um, that was, as of, like I said, a couple hours ago. Now, I'm, I'm not, not going to have comms with them for probably two more hours, and, uh, and then they'll have comms again, and then we'll link up uh, and debrief. And so, yeah, we see this daily. So now the flow at the current 
time are about three to 5,000 a day through the Darien Gap. In August, it was 82,000, but now that has increased already dramatically, right? So now we're in October. I don't know the numbers from September yet, but uh, according to the Panamanian government, they told me 82,000 in, uh, in August. Now, right now, I'm looking at a lot of mud in front of me, and this is special mud. And uh, so the, the rainy season, it's rainy season here now, and so that slows down the migrants coming through, right, a lot. But every month, it still continues to increase. So 82,000, even during muddy rainy season, and this, I'm guessing September must have been closer to 100,000. Again, we don't know the numbers yet, but we're going clearly towards at least 10,000 a day, at least, because they're building two more camps in the jungle. Right now, they're running about 60 buses a day, about six zero about five dozen, right? To be clear, I'm not sure if, you're, if people can hear me between 16 and 60, but it's five dozen buses a day right now, right? Big luxury buses, one's right in front of me. And they, um, so, but they're increasing that to 200, right? So so this 60 a day, which fit roughly um, roughly 50 people per bus, so that's what they've been running, right? And, uh, and now they're increasing that to 200, right? Now, as they do that, they're building two new camps in the jungle right now. And, um, in fact, we were going to fly over yesterday to photograph in the sky, and we were not allowed to do that, actually. Sometimes I rent our charter aircraft and fly over and, and uh, photograph everything again and compare and contrast. And you can see from these aerials that, that I occasionally make, like, like the aerials we've been making at Colony Ridge. Like every week I have somebody fly over Colony Ridge and send the photos back, right? Uh, he graciously does it, actually. I don't have him do it. <laughs> he just does it because he's a patriot. He flies over every week and sends new photos back. So in other words, the people at Colony Ridge North of Houston, they can say this, that, and the other, but we're watching them. We're watching them from the sky, from the ground, from inside the network. We've got patriots all over the place, and they're not able to breathe without us knowing about it. So we know what they're doing. And likewise down here, even if they stop me from coming to Panama, there's no way they're gonna stop this information. Our network is not too vibrant in Colombia and Panama and Costa Rica. We see what's happening. It's very clear. And I keep warning the Panamanian government, this will destabilize Panama. They will take Panama with this flow. As you increase the flow, they're building a road now. They're going to end up building a road to Colombia through Panama, through the Darien Gap. They call it here in Spanish, it's called Ern. And, and uh, in Panama, they call it the, uh, what the Pampon Bay, that in, I think the Tampa of uh, uh, Darien, the plug, right? Because that jungle that's here, it's a really intense jungle, uh, is, um, it's, it's a defense mechanism. It's, a, it's like a wall, you know, that, that nobody can invade through that jungle unless you come by sea. And that's why, you know, when we were building Santa Ma Canal uh, way back when, which opened in 1914, which is a you know, huge uh, a vital interest here in, in Panama, uh, the, the one thing uh, that uh, prefaced that was uh, there was a, a, an, an insurgency and some subversion that caused Panama to break away from Colombia, right? So this used to be Colombia where I'm sitting at now. But to build the canal, you know, one of the uh, political dramas was to create Panama, right? And so now Panama, it, Panama is vital terrain. That's why I spend so much time here in places like Netherlands and Texas. Like the RGV Valley in Texas is very vital terrain. A lot of Texans don't realize that the Rio Grande Valley, there by Brownsville and uh, there down by uh, McAllen and whatnot. I was just down there when uh, Abbott came to speak. That's very important. That's tr that. This highway that goes right past me, I'm looking at it now, but these buses go on, that's Highway 1. That's the Pan-American Highway. If you connect that with Columbia, now you are connected by highway to all of South America. If you can get your feet into South America, you can get anywhere in the rest of Central America, Mexico, and, and North America, right? It's no problem. And this highway right in front of me goes right up to Texas, or goes right up to the United States. It, you, know, you can take any road you want after you get through here because there's many different roads you can take. But the bottom line is one of them is the I-69 corridor, which people in Texas are well aware of, the I-69 corridor 
right there through McAllen area in Brownsville, goes right by the, that port of Brownsville, which is a strategic port, and it's very important. It goes by SpaceX, of course, in that area, and then it goes up next to that Colonia, right? Right. Coincidence? Is it a coincidence? So all these places that I go to, the I-69 corridor goes right up to Detroit, right? And Canada. The World Economic Forum has made a headquarters in Detroit. This is not coincidence. I study this all over the world, and it's the same patterns I see everywhere. We're overwhelming Europe with the same uh, flows coming in through um, Africa and Asia. Uh, and, you know, like first with Luxembourg, I was there last year. When I was first in Luxembourg, back when I was in the Army, it was, they called it the jewel of Europe. It was very safe. You could let the children play outside at midnight. It wouldn't matter. Now it's broad daylight. There's African drug gangs running uh, drug deals. I mean, I was there for almost two weeks. Uh, saw somebody break into a car right in front of my hotel in downtown Luxembourg City. Again, which used to be the jewel of Europe. And, uh, and, uh, saw fights, saw people. It looked like it was like, like San Francisco or something. You know how bad that's gotten if you've been there lately, which I have. You know, it looked like Portland. For those who have been to Portland or San Francisco or Skid Row down in, if anybody's been to Skid Row lately, you know what I'm talking about. Luxembourg is starting to look like that. Downtown Luxembourg City. You can't even make up the stuff. And so now, you know, Panama, while they are pulling these people through Colombia, and, uh, of course, Panama is like, hey, Colombia, close your border. And, and Colombia is saying, hey, Venezuela, close your border. That's the same thing over in Europe. Italy saying, hey, Germany, stop pulling them in. You know, and, and Spain saying, hey, Morocco, stop sending them through. But everywhere I go, it's the same story. But here, the United Nations, you have a huge presence here in Panama. They're, the headquarters for the United Nations here, who runs this, the IOM, the OIM, depending on which language, uh, the OIM, uh, the Organization for Immigration and Migration, they are, they are, or International Organization for Migration, they are, um, uh, they are the main pump, right? And the United States is the one that feeds that pump. This camp I'm at right now called San Vicente Camp, if you look it up, San Vicente Camp, it's in Darien Province, Panama. This is the camp that uh, Secretary Mayorkas came to, the Secretary of Homeland Security, came to here in April. Of, of 2022, I was waiting right where I'm talking to you now. I was waiting at this exact spot for four days. I thought he might land here. He landed right in front of me in four Blackhawks. He came into this camp. He got out of his Blackhawks right in front of me here, came into this camp, and since that, he came in promising to build this camp larger. Now, I have footage from the day he came, aerial footage and uh, recent footage, and look how much this camp has grown. It's relatively massive now, and it's much smoother. I mean, it's not only are the camp, not only are there more camps, they're bigger, and they run a lot smoother. So we're going to have at least ten thousand a day coming through with the with the with the infrastructure that they either already have in place or is almost done. For instance, the new buses, sixty roughly sixty buses to about two hundred. Uh, they're building a bridge out in the jungle, which I was just out looking at yesterday. It'll help. Anyway, I could go on for days. Yeah. Sir. Michael, let me let me. Uh, we, we need to close here, but it, it's it sounds like it's become just a conveyor belt of people coming north. Is that a good? Is that an accurate uh, uh, description? Yep, that's how, that's how I describe it sometimes. And George, this is how the conveyor. That's exactly how I describe it sometimes, is the conveyor belt. Now, imagine the conveyor belt through the Darien Gap, which is a pretty intense jungle. But there are easier routes that the Chinese 
pay a lot to go, which are still a little bit difficult, but they're not that dangerous. Very few people die on the Chinese route. Very, very few. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but through the other routes, like even three years ago, it was probably 10%. I mean, that's like wartime level. I mean, to state it clearly, like one zero percent were dying coming through. Nobody knows how many. Now I would say it's maybe 1% or something, which would still be 30, 40, 50 a day, right? Yeah. Like right now, as we speak, there's literally people dying right now. But most of them do make it through. Now the conveyor belt, uh, now the conveyor belt used to be much more difficult just two and three years ago. Now it's shorter, it's bigger, it's safer, still dangerous, uh, but it's much safer. And, and the camps that you come to are much more efficient. So the conveyor belt is shorter, it's going faster, and it's wider, right? Wow. Like, like they're going from, listen, just a couple of years ago, there was only like maybe a dozen buses a day, maybe, yeah. right? Maybe, maybe 10. And, and we thought that was big, but the reason I kept coming here is because I saw that they were building the infrastructure to use the South American, because they're crystal clear that the World Economic Forum and others, that they want to push 1.2 billion with a B migrants into places like Europe and the United States and Japan. So one of the ways they're going to do that is through the Darien Gap, right? Now, it's just a matter of time until they're showing up directly to the United States and, you know, uh, in luxury ships or on freighters, right? right. Like camp on the Saints. It's just a matter of time. Now, Michael, we we need to let you go, but um, uh, what's your final warning for the United States right now, given what what you're seeing at the um, uh, at the Darien Gap? What's your final thought? Well, you see what's happening in Israel. It's clearly coming to the United States. I am a war correspondent. I spent most of my life out of the United States in more than ninety countries and a lot of war and conflict. It's clearly coming to the United States. All the the conditions are set, and there's a reason I spend so much time in Texas. Anybody who knows me knows. When they saw me coming to Texas, they were like, I guess it's time to leave Texas. And I'm like, brother, you know, if I'm coming to set up shop in Texas, it's because I think that's going to be a war zone. And it clearly will be. You got it, buddy. Thank you very much, folks. We've been speaking with my with my good friend Michael Young, a writer, author, and he is at the Darien Gap as we speak. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us, Michael. Thank you for having me on. It's a great honor. And anytime you want to come down, sir, I'll take you down here. You got it. Thank you very much. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got our good friend, Sheriff Roy Boyd from Goliad County, Texas, uh, which is just down the road here from San Antonio in Victoria. And I wanted to get him on because there are two major issues or uh, happenings that have occurred First of all, welcome to the show, Sheriff. Thank you for taking time to talk to us. Hey, thank you for having me, George. So it's good to talk to you. First of all, we've heard about a um, a new position that uh, you're going to be working on uh, with the Texas Commission on Law Enforcement. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, every so often the Texas legislature, uh, what they call sunsets, the uh, various uh, bureaucratic agencies within the state of Texas government. And so one of those is uh, TCOL, Texas Commission on Law Enforcement. And what happens is the legislature comes in and reviews it, takes a look, sees if it's still relevant, and see if there's any updates that need to be made. So as a result of that sunset commission this last uh, legislative session, they came up with some some things they wanted to look at. And one of them is the minimum standards for law enforcement agencies under the Texas Occupational Code. And so they have uh, eight different criteria which a state has that are required in order for a government body to form and cause to function a law enforcement agency. And they want a review of those things. And so that's what I've been asked to uh, to preside over. Sounds important, buddy. 
there's a, I mean, the the situation here in here in Texas um, isn't quite as bad, I think, as in other states where you've got a defund the police movement and you've got uh, other activities like that. But we do have a very very open and active border. <laughs> yeah, we 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 do, and we have a lot of issues. Uh, I think on uh, on this particular committee, there were a couple things that the legislature was concerned about. Number one was uh, as a result of uh, of the shooting in Uvalde, they really want to take a look because they have a record number of ISDs that are filing for police departments, uh, and they also have small municipalities that that have have filed for for law enforcement agencies. But what you'll find is many of those lack the ability to fund it properly, and so their plan is to fund it through uh, revenue from citations, and that's something that concerns the legislature and it concerns professional law enforcement as well because of a couple things. Number one, there's already some law on the books with regards to how much revenue can come from citations, uh, and there's a cap on that. But not only that, but uh, it concerns us from the fact that if you make law enforcement go out and issue citations in order to keep their jobs, you're going to violate somebody's constitutional rights. And, you know, law enforcement professionals do not want to see people's constitutional rights violated. The um, Switching the, the, uh, the topic a little bit here, uh, this afternoon, and we're, we're recording this on Wednesday, November the uh, 8th, this afternoon there was a horrendous tragedy in South Texas, in Zavala County, where uh, seven people were killed in a uh, car wreck, uh, all because a human smuggler was speeding away from, uh, or was trying to escape. Um, These, uh, we've talked about uh, these uh, speed chases, uh, including some that occur in your own county. Uh, Tell us a little bit about these speed chases, buddy. Well, you know, the the pursuits typically happen when we go to stop a vehicle and then they decide that they're going to flee instead of, uh, instead of, you know, yield and pull over and, and comply. And so it just, I mean, there's a whole host of things that, that go on during those pursuits and there's a whole host of dangers that, that exist as a result of those pursuits. And so it just, there's, there's a lot that goes on. And as you know, as well as anybody, George, that especially, as a result of the open border policy of the Biden administration, with all the smugglers coming down, it's, uh, I mean, these folks run reckless and they really don't care. They'll leave the road. They'll, they'll be throwing bodies out of the back of the trucks as they bounce through the pastures and they may drive through 10, 12 fences to get to the other side or another road in order to get away from us. And it's been a real problem that we've, that we've faced. But on the flip side of that, I know some people say, well, if you didn't chase them, they wouldn't run. But if we don't chase them and we don't do something, then we've opened the, laid out the welcome mat, and they believe that they're comfortable enough to make a home in our communities. And so it's a double-edged sword that we're dealing with. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, there was a, uh, a Democrat uh, state senator uh, this afternoon that was speaking exactly about that, that in major communities like Chicago, like here in San Antonio, uh, there is a no-chase policy for the police, and he felt that that was what was needed to avoid any of these tragedies from happening. But you're right. I mean, if you don't try to catch them, then they continue to come in anyway. 
Um, I don't know who the senator is, but he's either an idiot or on the side of the crooks, one of the two, because, you know, if you uh, continue to allow bad behavior to take place, all you can expect is more bad behavior. And the only way to bring that bad behavior to an end is to enforce the laws. And that's what we're here to do. Uh, we're not responsible for the fact that people don't want to uh, uh, yield. We do what we can do. We try to do it as safe as we can. But the primary action that starts the whole event is the violation of law in the first place. So, like I said, he obviously either doesn't know what he's talking about or he favors the cartels, one of the two. <laughs> really? Let me ask you one last question before we let you go, and that is regarding this uh, a bill that has been working through the um, state senate as well as uh, on the House side, a, a complementary bill related to allowing Texas law enforcement to uh, state and local law enforcement to arrest illegal aliens. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think that that bill is going to be extremely important as we move forward. We understand there's going to be legal challenges, but we've been working close with uh, the uh, House representatives, the Senate, uh, and the governor's office as this moves forward. We believe that the passage of the bill is going to be essential along with the funding for the uh, border wall at the state level because those bills, as people will see, will come into play into a greater picture uh, over the next year. And if we can get those bills successfully through, then we will fundamentally change some of the functionality of law enforcement in the state of Texas, and it will be to the benefit of the citizens of the state of Texas. That's, I, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, you know, it is a deterrent. And if we can deter people from coming into the country and in, into our state in the first place, then we wouldn't have any of the, uh, the we'd have fewer, uh, if not no, of these, uh, none of these car chases that uh, happen like the one today. Yeah, just remember, George, uh, and, and your listeners that, you know, the primary problem is the cartel's desire to, to generate a profit margin from, from this, uh, this situation that we have. Our goal in law enforcement is to enforce the law to a, to an extent that it denies the cartels their profit margin, thereby causing them to either alter their behavior or to take it to New Mexico or Arizona where it's not our problem. And so we're going to continue to do everything that we can in order to deter lawlessness in the state of Texas. You got it. Folks, we've been speaking with our good friend Sheriff Roy Boyd from Goliad County, Texas. And, uh, Sheriff, thank you very much for taking time to be with us tonight. Thank you, George, and God bless you, and God bless your listeners. Thank you very much. Once again, my friend, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Deep in the heart of South Texas, and we've got our good friend, uh, Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland, who is the sheriff of uh, Terrell County, Texas, which is out west of us here. And uh, he has been in Washington, D.C. We are recording this on uh, Wednesday, November the 8th, and he is out in D.C. today working uh, with our sponsor, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR, uh, on some legislation to address the border crisis, my friends. And I wanted to get him on so he could tell us a little bit about what he's been up to 
as well as I'd like to get his thoughts on this horrendous uh, wreck, this crash that was caused this morning uh, in Zavala County here in uh, South Texas uh, with a human smuggler that was fleeing uh, the uh, Department of Public Safety folks. So first of all, welcome to the show, Sheriff Cleveland. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Howdy, Mr. Rodriguez. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to be on your show and uh, to be able to give you kind of an update on what's happened out here in Terrell County. And uh, as you mentioned, um, this evening I'm up in Washington, D.C., flew in yesterday, and I'll be heading back tomorrow. But uh, always a good opportunity to get back up here and, and speak to some of our representatives and senators and, uh, and uh, you know, really get the word out of what's going on on the border and uh and, and really just try to make a difference tell us tell us about what uh what, what you've been up to i know you've been meeting with some uh with some congressional folks uh as well as uh you're uh, making a pitch you're helping to make a pitch for uh some legislation tell us about that yes sir so uh we, we had eight scheduled visits today um with various members from from the the house as well as the senate um Mine was focused on with with my my group, which included Dr. Vickers, uh, another deputy from Cochise County, and a, and a senator from uh, from the state of Arizona. But uh, we uh, we met with both Texas and and Arizona representatives and senators, and uh, we actually had three. Uh, all visits were good, but we met with uh, Troy Nels uh, personally, as well as Representative Siskamani out of Arizona and uh, Representative Ghoster out of Arizona, but. Those three sitting with the representatives were very productive. They're, uh, of course, they're border states, so they know what's going on. They realize what we're up against um, currently. Uh, they realize what this administration is doing to, uh, to to allow this to happen. You know, th- this isn't something that's just a phenomenon that's just happening. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's 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 an orchestrated event. Um, so uh, so some good meetings, HR. Two, as you mentioned, um, I, I know you're familiar with it. I, I tell you what, it, it's uh, it, it's got a little bit of uh, multiple multiple things we're looking at, um, what they're looking at. But I'll tell you, the MPP is something that that we need to bring back to stop the the current situation at the border. Explain to people what the MPP is or what. Yes, and, and I pardon for for not actually given the the word for the acronym but it's the migrant protection protocol uh, of course what we know as remain in mexico as well something that was uh, put forth as well as a couple other policies there by president trump but uh you know it, it was to really target those who are coming in the united states claiming asylum and we we all know that they're they don't have a, a real credible fear claim um to want to come here um they just want to come to the united states and and as we all know you know the, the international law you know that that third safe country that you first encounter um many of these people are coming from africa um from asia deep in south america you know coming into the united states that they hit many countries before they get to us and uh they're coming because they know the border is open and when i say the border is open we know this administration um it is doing absolutely nothing and uh as i i preface every time i don't want to put one administration against the next but I, you know i worked under five different presidential administrations and, and i can tell you that president clinton to president bush to president obama to president trump you know different levels of progressing border security but there was all some level of you know moving border security forward they all four built some fence of course bush and trump much more fence than uh clinton and, and obama but this administration has done absolutely nothing let me ask you about um, since you have seen it 
from the inside as well as from the outside, we are seeing, uh, we have seen uh, people crossing the border at the bridges and introducing themselves and asking for asylum. However, there are no bridges in your county uh, bordering the, the, the Mexico. Uh, these people that are crossing in your area, who are they? Yes, sir. so we, we we primarily catch people from Mexico, and, you know. And, and I said that the I made the point several times a day. Right now, you can be from anywhere in the world, and we'll let you into our country unless you're from Mexico. If you're from Mexico, you're going back south. <laughs> you know, you're you're being sent back to Mexico anywhere in the country. But our our neighbors in Mexico, and I'll be the first to tell you, hey, I, I we catch mainly people from Mexico, and they're all coming. To many are going to Santa Maria, California. Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, construction jobs, picking in the fields of California. And many of them go back. Um, I sit there and I have conversations with them. I learn where they're from and, and, and what's crossing for. But but we have people that are looking to, to cross um, illegally, undetected, and, and make it to various points um, throughout the United States. And, and I'll tell you, so, um, you know, that, that first year that President Biden took office, we had a, a 289% increase. We, we typically have about 1,000 illegal crossing apprehensions and i shouldn't say crossings apprehensions in our county that first year we had a 289 percent increase up to about 5300 people the second year he was in office our our uh, apprehensions jumped 417 compared percent compared to 2000 and, and that was um close just over 7500 apprehensions the last year fiscal year 23 we, we we dropped down quite a bit but that specifically is credited to Title 42 going away. And, and when I say that, I had been speaking about it going away for some time, us getting back to our Title 8 authorities. But it didn't take long for uh, for ICE's bed space to run out. Therefore, that's why we started seeing those releases again. And then that's why we in my county have seen a serious uptick in illegal um, crossings again. So we've been busy the past two months. And, uh, we, of course, as you know, I get out there as well as my two deputies, and we help Border Patrol as much as we can. Wow, it's amazing. The let me ask you about this um, this tragedy that occurred this morning. And again, folks, we are recording this on Wednesday, November the eighth, in the evening. This morning in Zavala County, there was a horrific uh, head-on collision uh, between a uh, an innocent family and a human smuggler that was uh, running away from the uh, state troopers. Um, Immediately, one of the suggestions that was made by uh, a liberal Democrat here in Texas was that uh, uh, Border Patrol and, uh, well, I don't think Border Patrol does it, but uh, that the state, that the sheriffs and the uh, DPS should not chase these human smugglers. Um, what are your thoughts about all of this, that's, the, this tragedy and this idea that we shouldn't chase them? You, you, you know, and, and that's what just emboldens them to, to run more. But when they hear rhetoric like that that says, you know, regardless of what agency it is, don't chase, that just emboldens them more. Um, we've been fortunate the last 18 months that I've been at the Sheriff's Office there in Terrell County since retiring from the Border Patrol. We have had one accident that was very similar. Um, we had a total of five fatalities, um, two were illegal aliens, and then uh, one was unidentified. It was, it was a driver, likely an illegal alien from Houston working for the cartel. And then we had two two uh, oil field workers that were actually, they come in on a work permit from 
um, Ciudad uh, Acuna there across from Del Rio. Head-on collision, burst into flames, something very similar to, to what happened today. Um, just not as many, but, you know, I, I, I knock on wood, I, I, I thank God for us not having any more of those because like many other locations along the border, we have uh, almost everything we encountered that, that is an illegal alien smuggling load runs. Um, fortunately, you know, there, there's not a lot of vehicular traffic out there in West Texas to, for us to have um, accidents like that. And uh, and we do, we work them in a way where, you know, we, we definitely will, what I say is light them up, you know, either north of town, once we've already driven through town or south of town, we, we want to make sure our citizens are protected. But but it, it's, it's tragic because a loss of life, you know, the, the American citizens were lost, and as well as those that were here illegally, when the smugglers put their lives at risk, not only the illegals that they're smuggling, but innocent American citizens. So it's horrible. Um, any death, as I've told you before, is is not um, not a good thing. So it's, you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is that we are seeing deaths not only out in the bushes and in the brush where people uh, are perishing from either the climate or because they are abandoned or lost, um, but also on the streets and the highways as well. Yes, sir. You know, and with you making that statement, of course, Dr. Vickers was here with me uh, today as well. He was actually in my group, and, and we spent a lot of time together. And um, Sheriff Benny Martinez, who's his sheriff out in that county, you know, I, th- I think they lead all southwest border counties with the the number of deaths. It's, it's just amazing. I think he said since this administration took over 252 total in that county, up to 40 this year. You know, and I've mentioned to you before on, on your show that historically out in Terrell County, we'd have maybe one a year. And again, I spent the last 11 years there as patrol agent charge so maybe one a year um but since this administration took over um we've had 37 we had seven or, or 12 that that first year that he came into office then my first year sure we had 17 and uh and now we're up to a, another seven so a, a total of uh and i may get my numbers juggled around there but a total of 37 so uh you, you know since i've been sure 25 and, and i've Myself with my deputies put twenty into a, a, a body bag, and uh, again, any death it isn't it isn't fun to deal with, and, and that's something that uh, I take pleasure in doing. Wow, we've been uh, speaking, my friends, with Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland from uh, Terrell County, Texas, uh, out west of San Antonio. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, for serving our country and protecting us, and uh, certainly for for joining us today. George, thank you for having me. I, I tell you, I, I had some calls back to Texas today. I, I've got a teleconference call tomorrow. I, I've been actually at the Senate um, a, a couple of times ago testify. The last last one was SB6 for the $1.5 billion additional dollars the gover- governor's requested or that the Senate's put forth. So um, I think here in, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see even some better things coming out of the state of Texas. I, I'm glad to be a part of that team that's, that's helping get some of this stuff driven through. Um, you know, if, if it wasn't for the governor of Texas, there ain't no telling what, what Texas would look like. Um, but but more importantly, or equally as important, thank you for getting the word out, for keeping keeping citizens informed. Um, again, just can't thank you enough for, for what you do on this matter. You got thank it, you. buddy. It's my duty. You got it. You have a good one, and uh, get back safe to us. Yes, sir. God bless. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got my very good friend, Tom Holman, who, in my opinion, is uh, the leader of the pack when it comes to uh, this whole border crisis issue. Uh, he is the knowledgeable one. He is the one that's been uh, that kind of took on this whole 
issue to begin with at the very, very beginning publicly. And uh, I wanted to get him on because um, uh, Tom recently was in Israel uh, visiting and looking at their border and uh, came back with some ideas. And uh, no sooner does that happen than look at what's happening in uh, in Israel now. Tom, welcome to our show. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. You got it. Tell us, tell us about what you saw, what you're seeing right now in Israel, and how. Uh, what are your thoughts about what is happening right now at our own border? Well, look, I, I dare anybody to look up my interviews on Fox in the last two years. And the last two years, I've been saying, look, the fentanyl crisis is terrible. The, the trafficking women and children is just terrible, evil. And But I've been saying for two years, my, one of my biggest concerns is the national, national security failure on our southern border. Because as I said many times, uh, border patrols arrested people from 171 different countries since Joe Biden has been in office. Many of these countries are sponsors of terror. They've arrested, you know, including the northern border, over 500. So I ask you this, you know, if, if, if they've arrested over 500 people on terrorist watch list, and we got 1.7 known gotaways, these are not, I guess, these, we, we know 1.7 men crossed the border and got away based on video drone traffic and camera traffic. If you don't think a single one of that 1.7 men gotaways didn't come here and do us harm, they come from a country sponsoring terrorism, then you're a moron because you're not paying attention to the data or just a moral averages. But I went to Israel for the sole purpose. I want to see Israel brags on their border. I know we work closely with them when we build our wall and we, we you know, kind of share technology. But I, never, I, I was never in Israel uh, to actually look at what they constructed. You know, they got, they got several borders, right? They, they border four different countries, and they also border two territories, you know, um, the Gaza Strip being one of them. And, um, you know, two territories um, where the Palestinians live. Now, some of the borders, like the border of Egypt, not real sophisticated, not real, you know, not, not a huge giant wall, double wall system, because Egypt's been the friend. Uh, but they do have border security and great technology, just no, no huge concrete wall that they have in other places. But where the dangerous are most, where they know their enemies are just feet away, they built you know, a, a, a two-wall system. The wall goes deep in the ground all the way down to the water level, the, the water table. So there, there's no way to dig under. Uh, and they got great technology. While, while we were standing there and we were getting a, a, a preview from the, the Israeli guard, we got drones flying overhead. We got men in observation towers. They were actually automated machine guns. If someone gets to a certain point, there's automated machine guns that would, that would take them out. Um, and Israel takes border security seriously because it's a matter of life and death. I used to say that the only difference between Israel and us is they have tight border security because because they because they're willing they're fight to survive. It's a matter of life and death for them. But you know what? We got to say the same thing about the United States at this point. It's, it's a matter of life and death because we got over you know, 100,000 people dying from fentanyl that came to the open border, right? We have got uh, about 1,700 migrants have died in U.S. soil trying to cross this border. Um, we have mortgage ladies who have died in that border. So at this point, this border is so out of control. It's a matter of life and death for us, too. I really truly believe. So looking at Israel, my, my, so when, when the Israel attacks happened, the first thing I thought of it is, look, we got a hell of a wall system down there, great technology. 
and where their best wall system is, where their best technology system is, Hamas is able to get through it. If they can get through that kind of uh, wall system and with that technology, with some of the technology better than ours, what's that say about our southern border? Where you have 70 to 90% of agents pulled off the line to process the humanitarian crisis, very few agents have to patrol on the border. Matter of fact, I know you know this in Eagle Pass and El Paso just this past month. Every agent was pulled off the line in those sectors to process, which meant there was one, there's not a single uniform in that line. So if they get to Israel's a sophisticated wall system, what's that say about our southern border that's wide open and very vulnerable? You, the, the, there has been a discussion the past couple of days uh, to uh, allow uh, Palestinian refugees into the United States. Uh, however, very few, I'm not sure of any, um, Arab states neighboring there that have agreed to take any Palestinian refugees themselves. Uh, you know, cannot we help people over there, uh, particularly people that are not very fond of the United States? <laughs> well, there's, look, there's several countries over there that should take them. And we give them millions and millions of dollars every year. If they're not going to step up and help with the, what they consider a humanitarian crisis over there, then we've got to pull the money from them. Because, you know, why are we always the ones that take people and, and take care of them when, when most of them don't want to leave their homeland? They want to be there with their culture and their, and their people. And, and so these other neighboring countries like Egypt that we give, you know, um, quarter billion dollars a year, you ought to step up and do the right thing for these people. And look, um, the, the problem with bringing to the United States, in my opinion, it's just like the Afghanistan national team brought to the United States is a vetting process. Now, the government can say, well, we vet them. And they will, you know, but you can't vet them if you don't have the information available. <laughs> right. For instance, Afghanistan, most of the records in Afghanistan are, you know, when they took over the government, they're to control the Taliban. They're certainly not going to share terrorist information with the United States who they hate and despise and want to see us destroyed. So, so you know, people in you know, Palestine and, and, and down in the Gaza, a lot of good people down there, I'm sure, but we don't know how we vet them because the vetting is only, only as good as the information and technology available. In many of these countries, including uh, uh, down in Palestine Authority, have very few records or, or not up-to-date, you know, a modern system to track information. So unless these people are encountered, you know, on the battlefield by DOD, uh, very little information is going to be there to us to vet. So... Bottom line is, we really don't know who these people are, even if we vet them through whatever database we use. Like, when we vet people on the southern border, yeah, they go through the terror screening database, but unless they were encountered in a battlefield, unless there's intelligence on them, they could be, there could be no record at all, and they could still be a terrorist. They just haven't been caught or realized yet. And so, that, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. A, that's a danger. Yeah, and, 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 you know, this whole situation then, uh, is uh, the, the it's complicated by you know Hamas and Hezbollah already declaring that uh, if the United States gets involved any further, uh, they're going to take action on, uh, against the United States here in our uh, on our uh, homeland. Uh, how I mean, how uh, concerned should our elected officials be? Let alone our citizens. They should be very concerned. Look. It's- the same people that hate Israel hate the United States. And just in Afghanistan, that, that chaotic withdrawal, that, that failure of the Biden administration, they released thousands of people from their prisons whose sole purpose in life is to destroy the United States. And we got a southern border wide open. 
I'm telling you, this is the biggest national security period in this country since 9-11. And, you know, and, and, and to put it in perspective, people say, how many terrorists are coming across the border? Well, I'll say this. Like I said, they've arrested over 500, including the northern border, but from terrorist watchlists. But here's what you need to consider. After 9-11, these people came over on visas, and they came over with plane tickets, and came to the United States through, through a, a, a quasi-legal legal process. But after 9-11, we created all these different databases and vetting programs to try to vet people before they get a visa and before they, they get a ticket to come to the United States. We got the you know, we got TSA no-fly list. You got the visa security program. You got the FBI terrorist watch list. And the visa security program was very successful because we, we prevented, because I was as director of ICE, I, I own part of that. So we were very successful. We, we prevented thousands of people from getting a visa that had some sort of derogatory information or background check. And again, we don't have all the information, but what we could find. So it was pretty successful. However, now what terrorists would put themselves in the position to be vetted, to be vetted through these programs and maybe outed if there's information existing on them, when they could simply go to the southwest border, go to Mexico, and cross illegally and get away like 1.7 million others did. Yep. That's the danger. People need to understand this. Terrorists are going to use the route of least resistance, and that right now is our is our borders, both the northern border and the southern border. More than no suspected terrorists off the watch list have been arrested on the northern border than the southern border, if you can believe that. That should be scary, too. And, 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 you know, and again, all you need is one terrorist to be successful. That's all you need. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I, and I, mean, and I always, I always say when I give speeches, I'm on a network. I can't tell you how many terrorists have crossed the border since Joe Biden's been to the White House. Ugh. But someday we're going to find out, Ugh. and it's going to be a bad day for America. That's scary. That's scary. We're going to let you go, but uh, tell tell the folks about your, your movie and uh, anything that else that you're up to, buddy. The folks, you know, we just started a nonprofit, five hundred one c three c four border nine one one. I brought a team of, of great board experts. Uh, again, we're not looking to make a dime, but we'll spend the next year going across this country and trying to educate the American people why border security matters. Trying to explain to them it's just not about illegal immigration anymore. When you cause a crisis this big, that overwhelms the border patrol, that makes us vulnerable to fentanyl's killed over 100,000 Americans. It makes us uh, vulnerable to uh, trafficking, sex trafficking, women and children. It makes us vulnerable to, to like we just talked about, terrorism. So people can go to border911.com and look at, look at it. We have the, what I think some of the best border experts on the planet. We got uh, Mark Morgan, a clear law enforcement officer. We got uh, Rodney Scott, the retiring chief of the United States Border Patrol. We got Derek Maltz, uh, DEA director who's been fighting the fentanyl crisis. And we got Jason, uh, Jason Jones, retired captain of Texas TPS Intelligence Division who knows the cartels. I brought a team of, of, of career law enforcement officers, and I call them experts not because they read a book or not because they went to college and took a course, but because they stood on the front line, the front line in their entire careers and fought the criminal cartels in Mexico. These men actually arrested people. They prosecuted criminal cartels. They did a lot of work on the border. So, again, go to border911.com and see what we're doing. You know what? I'm very, very proud to say that every single one of those gentlemen have been on my show. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, that, and that tells a lot about your show, right? I mean, a lot of shows are out there talking these talking heads, these policy people, and you know, some of these policy people are pretty good. But that says a lot about your show and and, and uh, your character because you're bringing out experts who've done it. 
Yep, that's and, uh, exactly right. And I, that's good for you, Mac, because you're, you're hitting the right people for sure. I, I want people to hear from the from from the folks on the ground, not from me. <laughs> you got it. You know, again, I, I've been with you at a lot of events, and you know the border very, very, very well. Well, if you're going to have guests on, sounds like you're bringing the right people on there who really know the new really and act adds what you already know. Yeah. And, um, you know, don't count yourself short. I've seen you speak, and you get it. You know just as much as I do on this, so I appreciate you. I appreciate you tremendously. Thank you very, very much, Tom. Tom, we've been speaking with Tom Homan, uh, expert uh, on the border crisis and uh, great gentleman. Have a good one. Take care, my friend. My friends, thank you very, very much for joining us today. I want to thank uh, Sheriff uh, Boyd, Sheriff Cleveland, uh, my good friend Tom Homan, and Michael Yawn for joining us today. I hope that uh, you will join us again next week and uh, when we will have more information, more updates about the border crisis and what is happening in your backyard. Because the border crisis is no longer just at the border, my friends. It is now in your backyard. It's going to impact on your, on your health systems, on your education systems, on your law enforcement. It's going to impact on your taxes way beyond what you think. Until next week, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Stay safe.